the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody, to Southern California Live. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. I'm your guest host for this week, and it is a pleasure to be with you right here in the middle of the week as uh, we're enjoying a lovely time here in Southern California, everywhere where you can hear my voice. And I want to encourage you to check us out every day at 3 o'clock on KKLA in Los Angeles and KPRZ in San Diego. And uh, we're 4 o'clock hour here in KKLA in Los Angeles. You can give me a call at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, get your coffee ready if that's your thing. I, I enjoy the coffee, the blessed brew of the believer. It gets me through on some of those days. Is that bad? I don't know, but I, I like it. You know, some people question, you know, is there going to be coffee in heaven? Uh, is there going to be baseball in heaven? I sometimes think so. Sometimes I think God uses baseball in tremendous ways. I used to think that that silly things like that maybe aren't worthy of our time until I realized, you know, God has an infinite amount of time. You know how baseball players or other sports figures will, uh, when they score a point or they hit a home run, they pound their chest and they point to the sky. Sometimes they're thinking about their parents, but sometimes they're giving glory to God. Uh, Does God care about that? And you know what I thought is God has an infinite amount of time to care even about receiving glory for something you did as a major league baseball player. I figure he does. We're supposed to give uh, God the glory and everything we do. So congratulations to the Atlanta Braves, by the way. You defeated the uh, Cheat Astros, uh, which I am pleased about. Um, and I think most of the baseball world is. You know, what's funny is somebody yesterday, uh, a caller called in, wanted to know if there's a Bible verse. I'm not exactly sure what he was getting at, a Bible verse about the Cheat Astros, something that we can apply and I don't know if he's being funny or if he's like, no, we got to tie everything to Scripture. I got one. He said, can you find one? I thought, yeah, I don't know. I did, Off the top of my head, no. And then I thought, oh, I can probably twist something, you know, somewhere like, like you do, but you shouldn't. Uh, so I didn't do that. Here's one for you, though. You ready? Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. There you go. Cheating Astros. They got caught a couple years later. Uh, but they got caught. So you're going to get found out. All of us are, you know, all of it's going to get exposed. That's why we want to um, be righteous before the Lord. We're righteous in Christ, but knowing Christ and following him, uh, we don't have any secrets. Uh, we, the Lord is going to know. So congratulations to the Braves. Happy about that. And I really enjoyed in the World Series the tributes to Hank Aaron, who, is, uh, who passed away last year. I don't know if you knew that, but he passed away just last year. So it's a quite a great tribute to him who really is uh, a hero, uh, a hero in not just for baseball fans or people who are in uh, Milwaukee or Atlanta for his career, uh, but he is a hero for anybody who loves baseball. He's a hero for African-Americans. I mean, the abuse that he took, it's just so insane to me. And then Jim Crow South and all of that, and then to the abuse that he took racially uh, for beating the Babes record. I mean, so what? The, the records are there to be broken and good for him, and he did it without any performing enhancing drugs? Uh, he did it with consistency, and he did it with an amazing attitude. He was an amazing guy uh, and beloved, and I really enjoyed all of those tributes to him. It was it was a really good thing. I think a good thing to happen. See, sometimes I think that God God plans that. Does he sit around with his angels and go, look what's going to happen in Major League Baseball? 
Uh, they took away the all-star game from those people in Atlanta, and uh, that didn't make any sense. I'm going to give them three games in the World Series because, let's face it, they didn't belong there, really. Uh, incidentally, uh, you know who was on deck when Hank Aaron hit his uh, home run, that, that uh, number 715 that put him past the babe? You know who was on deck for the Braves? Dusty Baker was on deck for the Braves, the manager of the Astros. I feel bad for Dusty Baker, as I mentioned yesterday. Uh, wanted him to get a championship, and maybe he still will one day, just uh, maybe with a different team. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, that's, uh, that's what that is. Yesterday was uh, Election Day in some places of the country, and I wanted to focus on something that was a big subject, and I don't want us to lose this. I want us to think about this as as believers, as people I think who care a lot. Sometimes we have elections happen, and then we get really into it for whatever the subject matter is, and then the election happens, and then we forget about it until the next time around. The issues going on in our schools, the the Virginia gubernatorial election where uh, Republican Youngkin won probably turned on the issues of education in schools. Most people believe that as soon as uh, uh, as soon as it was stated that parents should not be involved in the curriculum of the schools, that parents should be outside of the schools, that's really the business of the state. Um, that enraged a lot of parents, uh, parents on both sides, uh, and it probably did change that election. And it didn't just change for the governor's race. It also changed uh, for other statewide races. And one of the great stories uh, of what happened there is uh, Winsome Sears. Winsome Sears is the newly elected lieutenant governor of the state of Virginia, and she is the first African-American uh, woman to gain statewide office in the state of Virginia in its 400-year history. And uh, she's a Republican, and uh, she is uh, she's fantastic. I think she's really great. I got a clip of her uh, victory speech. Wilbert, will you play that, that clip for us? What we are going to do is we are going to now be about the business of the Commonwealth. We have things to tend to. We are going to fully fund our historically black colleges and universities. You're going to hear from your governor-elect, Glenn Youngkin, and he's got a day one plan that I'm already tired about. (laughs) Don't know how we're going to make it to day two. But he's going to make sure we keep more of our money in our pockets because he's going to get rid of all kinds of taxes. We're going to have safer neighborhoods, safer communities, and our children are going to get a good education. Because education lifted my father out of poverty, education lifted me out of poverty, education will lift us all out of poverty because we, we must have marketable skills so that our children cannot just survive, but they will thrive and they will create generational wealth. That's what this is about. And uh, she went on to give thanks to Jesus, and a uh, really great story there if you listen to the whole thing. One of the reasons I'm, I'm bringing this up for this hour is I don't want us to lose track of what she's saying. Now, politicians in their victory speeches, they always say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and time will tell if they really do. But what happened here was the actual involvement of people in not just voting, 
but in getting involved in schools. We talked about this some yesterday, and we I want to continue that because it matters. The, the spiritual battle that is going on in our country, and it's humongous, I think that the biggest playing field actually is our, our schools, in our education. She talked about this, and that was a big part of this campaign. And, you know, and I think it's a winning thing, by the way. If we're going to win Southern California or win Los Angeles, win San Diego, win all of our communities around here, education is something that we need to be involved in, not just talking about it, but reforming it and changing it and being involved and being involved with our kids because they're under attack. They really, really are. And I think that this is a place for us to consider. So I invited a guest on our program. He's Dr. Nate Landis. And uh, Dr. Nate Landis is uh, the author of a book called God Wants His Kids Back, Schools of Thought to Reach a Lost Generation. And uh, I want to talk to him about public schools. Now, I'm in favor of taking your kids out of public schools. Uh, I mean, my kids were in private school, and we gave up cable TV and cell phones and a bunch of stuff in order to make that happen as best that we could. And uh, I know that some of you could do that. I'm in favor of some charter schools and some different ways of homeschooling, all of that. Uh, my wife and I tried the homeschooling because we were forced to last year in COVID. You know, we had to do uh, – we voluntarily homeschooled. And, you know, we've personally wondered should this – right, should we, should we do this? Is this something that we really ought to do? And uh, there's nothing like putting uh, – telling your kid to go to school in front of a uh, computer that basically is a video game console and saying pay attention – and I can tell you that homeschooling was not for me and my wife. It, it was not a good thing uh, for us. But I'm fully in favor of that, all of that. But here's the thing. Public schools, one way or the other, they're going to be here to stay. They are inevitable. They are going to happen. And we cannot just leave our kids, the majority of kids who are going to go to public schools, we cannot just leave them to the state. So I've invited Nate to be with us. Dr. Nate Landis, welcome to Southern California Live. And uh, if you'd like to call in and talk to Nate or talk about schools, the number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'd love to have your phone calls with us. Uh, Nate, tell us about yourself and, uh, and who you are. Some people, uh, we've had you on the air in San Diego before, but uh, for the L.A. audience. Yes, I'm a local pastor in San Diego. Oh, I guess you can't hear Nate uh, on there. So he's going to talk, and I'm just going to repeat what he has to say. <laughs> Not really. Um, let me... Uh, let me see how we're going to do this, and uh, let me give you that number again, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. So we've got a technical issue. I'll bring Nate on here in just a minute, but one of the things that Nate does is Nate runs an organization called Urban Youth Collaborative here in, uh, it's in San Diego, it's also in Atlanta, it's also in South Carolina, and it's ready to grow in LA and everywhere else around the world if you want to get more involved. And um He's going to share with us about his book, God Wants His Kids Back. You can find that on Amazon.com. And um, Nate has some great stories about what can happen when not just parents or churches are involved in schools, but what can happen when the kids take their faith, when the kids are able to actually take their faith clubs, which are allowed. And this is one of the reasons I have Nate on the program here, and we'll get to this here in just a minute. Uh, Nate is going to help us understand that there's actually a lot of things that you can do in the public schools today. I think we have this fear that if we do things in the public schools, if we try to make the public schools, you know, if we try to share Christ or bring in the gospel or have a faith club or do events, that somehow that's not legal, somehow that's not allowed. 
Let me tell you something. There actually are a lot of ways to do it that are perfectly legal, even in the tense environment we have today. You got to be careful. There's steps you got to take for sure. And the other thing I want to point out is that when we are loving people, loving the teachers, loving the staff, the faculty, loving the school itself, a lot of those walls come down, even ones that the state would rather have you put up. There are a lot of church plants that are in a lot of the public schools. And I'll tell you what, the ones that do really well are the ones that make it a mission to make that public school better. And sometimes they do it with tutoring of the kids. Sometimes they do it with support of the faculty. Sometimes they do it with, uh, sometimes they do it with um, projects around the school to make That's the school right. look nicer. Uh, Nate, is your microphone working now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear Can you hear me? All, All right, right, we got you. We got you this back. This is like the uh, cell phone commercial. Right. Yeah, that's Verizon right. Rising guy can you, became the sprint guy. Can you hear me now? He did. He became the sprint guy. Was, right. was that a trade? Was that was, some kind I think of it contract was dispute? Probably uh, monetary. Yeah, I think that probably is how how that happened. All right, Nate, welcome to the show. What was I well, talking? I want to finish that point. Just how important it is, right? You know, uh, for us to love the schools in our our neighborhood. We actually during COVID had great relationship with the schools in our neighborhood in University City, and it was so good that the schools came to us for help. The yeah. schools actually brought to our attention families who were in need right. at Christmas time and Thanksgiving uh, last year. Uh, they came to us. It wasn't us knocking on their door. Right. That relationship matters, and I don't even know if that would be allowed, Nate, what they did, frankly, but they did it. Um, well, once they know you care and, and you've built that uh, relationship of trust, then that's something that is unforgettable. And when it comes to material needs, no – no principal is going to get upset if you're feeding hungry kids right. or giving blankets to kids that are uh, in Southern California and don't have heat at night when it gets colder or feeding the football team or helping kids graduate more. There's all these things that we can agree on. Uh, principals want kids graduating more, gangbanging less, sleeping around less, finding meaning and purpose in their life more, bullying less, pulling people up with their words more. Those are goals that every person of faith and every principal, regardless of the principal's faith persuasion, could agree on. That's right. And so you start there, and then uh, there's lots of other opportunities that you were describing earlier where people of faith can share voluntarily and invitationally uh, with other students if the kids are running the show. The kids have to lead the club. They have to invite their friends in. It has to be voluntary to attend. Student-led and non-instructional time is key. So it's got to be lunch or after school. But we have uh, over uh, 100 different schools in San Diego County and in Tijuana where kids are bringing their friends and serving physical and spiritual food. And we have local churches that have been invited in by the kids as guests. And uh, there's opportunity to do that uh, all over the place. And I want to get to that here, but I want to since we had that technical problem, yep. reintroduce you, all right? 888-52-TALKS is the number here, by the way, if you want to join in the conversation, 888-528-2557. My guest is Dr. Nate Landis, and he is with me, Pastor Scott Furrow on Southern California Live. Nate, tell us about yourself. Yes, I am a uh, local pastor here in San Diego, uh, one of several pastors at New Vision Church in Southeast San Diego, and also the founder and CEO of Urban Youth Collaborative. We're a group of 135 churches that have thrown our arms around 100 different schools in San Diego, and we have just created a training program so that you mentioned earlier things can go well, things can go uh, sideways, and uh, we have a new training module 
that is going to allow people to learn how to serve schools all throughout the country because the laws are the same everywhere, and God's Spirit works everywhere. And this is an exciting thing. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want us as believers to lose the momentum that I think is coming from this election cycle. Yep. Also just coming out of, you know, I think that a lot of what COVID has done, whatever side you're on with the mandates and all this stuff, it, and it has caused us to take a look inside what the government is doing in our schools mm-hmm. and what's happening to our kids. Do you have kids? I do. Yes, I have between uh, three to six at any given time because I'm a foster dad. Oh, all right. So uh, right now I have uh, three of my own, which is always the same number. And then we have a one-year-old that we got right out of the hospital. Uh, my very first encounter uh, with fostering kind of came with my wife debating me because she she was really sensing this call from God. And she said, honey, we need to foster. And I said, Sounds great, but I'm already taking care of 3,000 of other people's kids a week. Doesn't that fulfill whatever debt I owe God in the universe? And we (laughs) had this friendly debate. And then she said, yes, but we have a guest room. I said, you're right, but it's for guests. And then this was the clincher, uh, Scott. She looked at me with a smile on her face and said, didn't you write your dissertation on evangelicals and urban poverty? And wouldn't this be a more practical way to do something more direct about that? Smile, mic drop end of conversation. So we went through the training and vetting and got uh, connected with a group called Angels Foster Network. And so I was open to the idea and then uh, praying and Angela uh, sent me a text when I was up in LA in a meeting and she said, they found the perfect girl for us. She's a two-year-old and her parents are homeless in the South Bay and we uh, are able to take this kid into our home. What do you think? So I'm in this meeting. I text back, I'm open and praying. She writes back, perfect, I'll pick her up at 4.30. And so <laughs> there we launched into it. And I ended up uh, coming home not knowing what the uh, life was going to be like with a new kid uh, on the block. And I didn't know what a man would signify for her. I knew her bio enough that she had been through some rough times. Right. So I was thinking, man, I would uh, be prepared for anything. And Well, it's great that you're doing that, and uh, thank you for sharing that. encourage everybody to be looking into that. You wrote a book called God Wants His Kids Back. That's right. And uh, tell us about uh, some of the things that you learned as you uh, that led you ultimately to write that book and how it relates to uh, particularly public schools today and uh, some of the things that we can do as uh, believers, as parents, as churches. Yeah, I was amazed at the fact that a lot of pastors and principals aren't aware of what the law is. And uh, last time I was on the program, I told you the story. My mom came to see one of these faith clubs in action. She had a a doctorate in education before she went to be with the Lord. And she's in the classroom. She had Ivy League education in education and sees young people raising their hands in front of their friends and giving their lives to Christ, going forward for prayer right before graduation. They were getting ready to launch into an uncertain future. And, and she just starts to cry because, uh, number one, she was proud of me doing something worthwhile with my life. But the other thing was she didn't know that what was happening here was possible. Mm-hmm. The best education in education, she didn't have any idea. And I've been to way too much school as a pastor, uh, MDiv, PhD, and there's not anything in a curriculum, Scott, if you're a pastor or a principal that prepares you for the possibilities of what's going on. And, and you mentioned earlier on the show that 
there's a battle going on for the next generation. And I think the devil's best kept secret is that public school ministry is possible and legal if the kids lead the charge and are equipped to do the work well. And I think that that's right. And I'm, what I'm, one of the things I'm excited about, and I want to encourage all of our listeners, with all the things that have been so hard these last couple of years, to be optimistic that often when things are very difficult, the reason they're difficult is because the ugliness of sin is coming to the surface and it's getting exposed. Mm-hmm. And we are mm-hmm. seeing the exposure of, of, of our hypocrisies in different ways as a culture. We're getting the exposition now, or I don't know, that's probably not the right word, but what's being exposed is yeah. some of the, the doctrines and other things that are taught to kids that have been actually going on a long time. And parents are now aware, the church is aware, we cannot lose the momentum on this. This is Southern California Live. We're speaking with Dr. Nate Landis. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, your guest host for today. We'd love to have your phone calls if you've got questions or comments about the, the schools. Questions for Nate, um, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those ways that uh, we can connect and stay focused on uh, this great mission for our kids that uh, we've been given. That's right. Keep listening. This is Southern California Live. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you as your guest host again. You can join our conversation. My guest is Dr. Nate Landis, and uh, he is the author of a book called God Wants His Kids Back. And we're talking about public schools. And before we went to the break, we were talking about um, how there is a lot of great reason to take your kids out of public schools, and there's there's private schools and homeschooling and all of that. We're, I'm all for that personally. But there is a reality, an inevitability, that there will always be public schools or government schools, if you will. There will always be uh, this this impact in our culture. It used to be that the schools were on the same page with parents, uh, but those days have ended. And we were talking about how it is a spiritual thing, that this is the battlefield. You know, it's an interesting thing that God and public schools, they sound like separate things to most people. That's usually what we hear, right, Nate? One of the reasons Nate is here is to let us know that there are actually lots of opportunities for us to be involved in schools. And, you know, one of the things that you pointed out to me a while ago that I didn't realize but we've got to, to grasp is that Generation Z which is right now our nation's elementary, middle, and high school students. That's right. Is the largest generation in U.S. history. That's right. That's incredible. And the thing is that these kids, they're the church today, yeah, right? They're the church right. of the future, but they're the church today. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, Jesus had the disciples arguing on the way to wherever they were headed next, and, and they came to him and said, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they thought they had narrowed it down to the top 12 candidates. They knew it was one of them, <laughs> right. right? So they came to Jesus and said, just settle it for us. Which one of us is the greatest? And Jesus calls up a little kid, and he says, this guy outranks you. He says, this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And in fact, guys, if you uh, don't change and transform and humble yourself like a little kid and approach God like this child, you're going to miss the kingdom of heaven. He, he didn't say you get extra credit if you come with childlike faith. He said, we're actually going to miss it, and, and God, through Christ, turns everything upside down, and we have to realize that 
kids have something valuable to teach us that mm-hmm. we we are responsible to raise them well as parents i i told you earlier on the show i've got four kids right now but i also have to learn from children too the dependency and the humility and the the willingness to uh just surrender and enjoy time with their father uh i love when my kids come home uh after being out and and i can grab them and throw them up in the air and they squeal after I catch them and they always say what they say do it again right do it again and I throw them up and and if I drop them it's over for them but somehow the glee of abandonment (laughs) of their lives thrills them and they're not worried about their safety they're just locked eyes with their dad yeah and they're they're just enthralled with that and there's something like that Scott that we're not supposed to grow up from and and that's childlike faith and so kids we talk about children are our future and we sing songs about that, and they are 100% of our future. A third of our whole population right now is Gen Z. So that's yeah. huge, like you just said. Uh, but we don't have to check their IDs to see if they can do something meaningful after they turn 18. Yes. God has something for them right now. The reason a million kids plus are leaving the church every year, voting with their feet, saying it's irrelevant, is because we've told them they're the church of the future, that God can't use them now that there's not something significant today that they can be a part of. And that's the issue that I think we need to flip upside down and realize that childlike faith is, is the goal. The more mature I get in my walk with Christ, I actually become more dependent on God, more humble. And that's what kids can teach us. I think that's pretty convicting uh, for me and for a lot of us, the whole, they're the church of the future. And that maybe that some of the reason that they walk away yesterday, we shared the, 75% 75% statistic, right? Yeah. That 75% of church kids leave the church yep. uh, and they go away. And part of it is we're not involving them. And there's so much that uh, they can do. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. My guest is Dr. Nate Landis. And uh, we're talking about the kids in public schools and how we should stay involved in uh, the ministry there, especially in light of our elections and the cycle we've just gone through, what we've been seeing with coronavirus and everything. We are alert now to... Yeah what's going on in the public schools. Let's not lose that. You can give us a call and join the conversation at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you've got a question or a comment uh, for uh, Dr. Nate Landis or for me or comments about uh, kids in public schools, let's talk about this, Nate. So uh, the kids, they're the church now, and they've got gifts and they've got abilities to do stuff. How does it work in the school? So in the public school, um, How does it work? How does ministry work in a public school? So kids have all the freedoms that any other person has. They don't lose their civil liberties when they walk on campus Mm. and they don't abandon their faith at the school gate. They have the freedom to talk about their beliefs. They have the freedom to uh, convene a Bible club on their campus if they invite their friends. And then they can also invite a local pastor to share as a guest and if the schools allowed any other club to meet at that school, they have to allow a Christian club to be there as well. And so, so student the, leadership is key for student that. It's got to be student leadership. These are the three magic variables. If if anybody's listening, it's student leadership. It's got to be voluntary to attend. No kid gets uh, extra credit in their course or gets docked in their grade if they come or don't come. No football player gets to start on Friday night or gets benched based on whether they come or don't come. It's voluntary to attend and it's got to be during non-instructional time. So that could be before school, that could be lunchtime, or that could be after school. Tell us what that looks like. 
Like, what is it like from a, from a ministry standpoint in the personal way? So there's the, there's the administration and all of that, right? Personally, what happens when the kids are involved this way in this kind of leadership? They get to take a stand and go public with their faith. I mm-hmm. think at a private school, uh, it's easier sometimes. There's there's dangers. Kind of assumed, in, yeah. Right? There's dangers in public schools. There's also dangers in private schools where people assume it's a free ticket to heaven if you attend a, you know, a, right. You know, I was at a, a conservative Mennonite school back in Pennsylvania, and it was sort of like, well, if I if I punch my ticket because I I go to this school, then I'm right with God, and and instead it didn't cost me as much to stand up for my faith until I really got serious than it did. But until then I sort of coasted with the culture and public school kids, if they're going to go public with their faith, invite friends and, and open in prayer, share a testimony, talk about Jesus changing their life. It's worth 80 of my best sermons, Scott. If a student Uh leader stammers through a talk sincerely and tells people that Jesus is real and that he can change lives. That's so powerful, personal testimony. That's huge. That's right. What else has, is a, a big part of kids' leadership? We uh, share physical and spiritual food. Uh, we Jesus fed 5,000 people with one lunch. I'm still waiting for that spiritual gift. It would really help my pizza budget. I've got to raise thousands of dollars every month just for food. And it would be awesome if I could pray over one lunch and feed everybody. But we're meeting those practical needs as well. Uh, blankets, kids have... Uh, a bunch of personal stuff that they're unpacking. And if they trust you enough, they'll start sharing that. So the club is the fishing pond where you start to connect with kids. Jesus says, if we follow him, he'll make us into fishers of men and women. And my message to the church is that fish always travel in schools. They always travel in schools. Thank you. I'll be here all afternoon. You might be groaning on the freeway. Don't crash, but don't forget that because that's the insight most churches don't realize is we've got to go to where the kids are instead of waiting for them to accidentally stumble into our uh, buildings, our Baptist buildings or our Presbyterian buildings or our non-denominational buildings. Yes. So kids are going to where their friends are. They're sh- sincerely sharing their testimonies, and then they're praying for each other. They're inviting their friends to consider this. The, the cool thing about voluntary attendance, Scott, is it's non-coercive nobody's forced to come to the meeting. Nobody's forced to decide anything. Love requires freedom, but I want to make sure kids in public schools get this invitation because they're not hearing the gospel uh, in any other place, most likely. And so this is an opportunity for Christian kids to say, I'm not just going to school to get ready for the next 60 years of life. Right. If I, if I go to college and everything works out, this is about getting my friends ready for 60 trillion years of eternity. Yes. And that's the thing is that these kids are, they can make disciples now. That's right. You know, I mentioned a lot in our church, we have the Oikos tactic, right? You got the eight to yep. 15 people that God has purposefully and providentially placed exactly. in your relational. Exactly. What I like about it is every grown up thinks, of, okay, I got up my eight to 15 people and I'll pray for them. I'll invest in them and whatever. Every kid that's has right. that many people and, that they can invest in now. And probably hundreds more because they're, they're at that watering hole of public schools where everybody's together. Yeah, all the and, time. And you might have, I don't know how many people in an office, but I guarantee you most schools have more people there than parents do in their office or their workplace. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me take a call real quick before we go to the next break. Uh, Helen, thanks for calling Southern California Live. You're on the air with our guest, Dr. Nate Landis. Yes, thank you very much for taking my call. It's been uh, on my heart to call our Christian boys and girls 
to go into teaching field. It's a respectful job. It pays pretty good. It has good insurance. It has good retirement. And also, you will be so effective in public schools. You don't have to preach. But just being there, you will be very effective. I, maybe we have to start a scholarship for kids or our kids to go into teaching. Helen, that is a, uh, that's a very interesting idea. Thank you for your call, Helen, and for calling up about that. Um, what should a person think about as far as they want to be a teacher, they want to go into public schools? I only have a couple seconds before we go to break. Why don't, in fact, why don't, let me go to break, and okay. then we'll get to that when we get back. You're Good listening question. to— Thanks, Helen. Yeah, Helen, that's a great question. We'll get to it when we get to uh, after the break here. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Our guest is Dr. Nate Landis author of God Wants His Kids Back. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, and thank you for being with us today. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. My guest is Dr. Nate Landis. And before the break, uh, Helen gave us the idea and wanted to encourage people to go into public schools that uh, as teachers, maybe even uh, scholarships uh, involved. You know, there's some great ideas there that maybe someone would pick up and run with. And I thought about this. The students have to have the um, they have to lead the faith clubs, but faculty is involved. Right. How does that work? Yeah. Each student led club needs a faculty member to supervise and open their door and make sure everything's going uh, safely and smoothly. But then also kids start to notice which faculty members choose to do that. And then they can mm-hmm. say, well, there's a trusted person I can go to if there's an issue or a problem in my life. Faculty advisors can also coordinate planning meetings. They can uh, be on call. They can, I was telling you at the break, they can share their story and their testimony if a kid asks them. Right. And then even if a kid doesn't ask them, they can share life principles without citing the Bible references, so to speak. And I really believe the power of the Holy Spirit speaking any time a believer speaking when they're when they're really in tune with him and listening. And whether or not they're citing the Bible verses or not, the truth of God can be flowing through that teacher. It's a powerful ministry that teachers can have yesterday on our program. And if you're listening, you can pick it up on the podcast at kkla.com. Just look for LA Live and uh, you'll find the podcast. We uh, interviewed uh, David Schmoos, who is the uh, executive director of uh Christian Educators yes. Association International. He talked about all the support there is for Christian teachers. So if Fantastic. you're listening and you're a Christian teacher or you know somebody who's a Christian teacher, you want to hook them up with that. Uh, um, and there's so much that they can do uh, there. Nate. Uh, Surprising freedoms. If I can just add one yeah, other go thing ahead. to uh, Helen's comment. I, I would like to encourage people vocationally to think about being a teacher in a public school because if all the salt and light pulls out, then right. we're going we're gonna to face more decay and more darkness. There's yes. no question that there's areas of concern. There's no question that parents are, are rightfully paying attention to what's going on. Uh, but just we were mentioning earlier the inevitability of public schools. Just from a sheer economic standpoint, most parents aren't going to be able to afford a private education. Right. And, and A, that's one reality. B, some jobs won't necessarily cater to uh, a schedule where you can do homeschool. So we've, we're, we're going to have the vast majority of our country for the foreseeable future in public schools. 
And so the question for Christians is, how do we be salt and light in a way that's confident and bold, knowing that salt and light wins? If I put salt on meat, that's the, right. salt, the salt changes <laughs> the meat. The, the salt doesn't get meatier. The meat gets saltier. And if I turn on a light into uh, a bedroom or to shave in the morning, the darkness disappears. So light and salt wins. That's how Jesus described us. And I want to encourage anybody that's on the fence or interested in being involved in a public school, either as a teacher or a volunteer, to engage and be ready to see what God's going to do with you. Uh, thanks, Nate. You're listening to Southern California Live, and the number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're coming to the end of the show. I want to take another call here, though, while we have time. Anna from Los Angeles, uh, or Anna, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi, Anna. Yeah, How are you? Is it know, Anna or Anna? Well, Anna, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little upset about uh, everybody, um, you know, talking, oh, we have to do what the government tells us. But if the government is going against the Constitution, that's wrong. You know what I mean? So right. we shouldn't be doing what the government tells us. And it, it upsets me. I hear so many people saying we have to do what the government tells us. But if it's against the Constitution... What's that mean? We're not, you know, that's good. they're doing the wrong, not us. So, you know what I mean? so you're concerned so about. People have to change. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, thank you for your call, uh, Anna. Uh, you know, Nate, speak to that just briefly here. We touched about that earlier. I yeah. think that there is a belief that a lot of what we're talking about today is unconstitutional, but actually it's not. Right. Uh, and I think that's something for us to really, yeah. you know, take that home today that. There are things that we think are unconstitutional because of all the media and buzz about right, schools, right. but it's not. Yeah, the separation of church and state means that neither the church nor the state can infringe on each other's business in, in ways that affect the other's ability to operate. So if, though, if a faith club is meeting at a public school, the government isn't endorsing that or even... Uh, even voting for it, they're just allowing it to happen. And the student leaders are the ones that are saying, we want to have this. So basically, the limited open forum that the Equal Access Act provides says everyone gets to make their case. Right. A, a Buddhist club can meet on campus. A fill-in-the-blank club can meet on campus. And if the schools allowed any students to represent their cause, they also can allow the Christian kids, too, to do that. And it's non-coercive. It's voluntary. It's student-led. And here's the thing. Uh, the Supreme Court has looked at this issue of uh, the Equal Access Act as it relates to rental agreements, and, and there was a Good News Club uh, case that went all the uh -huh. way up there. In San Diego, the second largest uh, district in our state uh, challenged our ministry in 2015 and said, these things are not possible. They're not legal. You're, you're basically breaking the law by having these clubs. And it was looked at in such a scrutinized way. Every middle school and high school principal in that district got emails about Bible clubs. And if it was illegal, they would have gotten rid of us because that's what they were trying to do. If it's student-led during non-instructional time and voluntary to attend and any other club is allowed, then kids can invite their friends and invite guests. And it's, it's really uh, an ironclad uh, opportunity that kids really could take advantage of and adults that want to support them should be able to hold them up and make a difference. The law and the Lord are clearly on the side of kids that want to do this, and the adults that want to support them are able to come alongside them in meaningful ways. Yeah, that's really, really good news, and something that we want to, to be encouraged by is that 
it's the laws are not as against us as we sometimes think they are. We just have to be right about right. what they say. There's a lot of nuances that I think principals and pastors and, and just lay people uh, aren't aware of. And this is a great opportunity to share and get more people involved in helping yeah. the next generation find the right path. All right. Let me try to get to your calls here. Sandra from Tustin. Thank you for calling Southern California Live. Hi, Sandra. Are you with me, Sandra? Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sandra. Thank you. Um, yes, I can hear you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm a public school teacher, and I've been co-sponsoring uh, FCA Club Fellowship for Christian Athletes. Good for you. Now. And it's so important for, yes, the kids to be the leaders, and we have one week is to keep growing the leaders, and the second week, every other week then, is to invite friends, and we have pizza, and we talk about different biblical subjects. Yeah, Sandra, Sandra, thank you for doing that. We really appreciate that. See, that's another example of how even teachers in public school can be involved. Uh, We've got time for one more call. Richard from Diamond Bar. Richard, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Yeah, hi, thanks. I just wanted to call and just, you know, stress the importance of being a good dad and being a good role Mm. model with your kids, you know, because you got to be transparent and and get as much info as you can off your kids because, the stuff that they're learning in school is just, it's really changing, changing uh, Generation Z. And, I mean, that's the future, like you said. Yep. You know, Jesus first and, you know, just be a good dad, good mom, and and get involved, you know. That's right. Yeah, and, thank you, Richard, for uh, your call. And, you know, I think that's one of the things, too, that can be encouraging to parents with this, is right. that maybe parents feel like, I can't get involved. Yep. There's constitutional reasons. Exactly. Uh, there was a story out of Louisiana this week, or last week, with all the dads who yep, got involved with that. that school. Such yeah. a great, it immediately changed. They had all these all this violence, and it went from a very violent school to a not at all violent school because a bunch of dads got involved. Dads started getting engaged. I think the caller is so so uh, accurate that we, we can't just passively parent. We've got to find out what's going on and listen and engage and then get involved. And if there are any uh, parents or grandparents or pastors or coaches that want to know what the opportunities are like to engage in a public school environment, we want people to be able to be equipped so they don't do it wrong because you can have stuff happen where it closes doors because you, you right. overstep a boundary that you didn't know was there. Uh, but then also... People don't walk through the doors because they don't know that they will open. If you're going through the right door with the right key, Mm. that's what we want to make available. So uh, UIC has produced some uh, courses, and if if listeners go to courses.uic.org, courses.uic.org, that's something for adults who care, student leaders, or churches that want to build a meaningful relationship with a con- with a school down the street. Now, UIC is the organization that you lead. It's Urban Youth Collaborative. That's right. You can find it at uic.org. That's the U- Urban Youth Collaborative website. Yeah, be careful. There's another Urban Youth Collaborative that's from New York, and they have a little different mission. Different group, different territory. Yeah. Yes. But uh, uh, uic.org is uh, Nate's organization website. And uh, can you say the website again for people? These courses are for people who are saying, who are listening to this and saying, you know what? I want to get involved. I want to know more. 
How do I do that in my neighborhood? That's right. Yes, courses.uic.org, courses.uic.org. We've got one for adults who care. That's a grandparent, parent, coach, teacher, anybody like that. We've got one for student leaders if they want to launch a faith club anywhere in the U.S., and then also one for church leaders who would like to holistically uh, care for a whole school in a wraparound way that matches up their their uh, resources with the needs and opportunities on campus. All right. That website, once again, is courses.uyc.org, exactly. UYC uh, Urban Youth Collaborative, courses.uyc.org. Nate, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. On Southern California Live. Nate is also the author of God Wants His Kids Back. You can find that book on Amazon or wherever yep. you get your books online. It's also on the course page if people want to get it there. Oh, you can find it there too. All right, Nate, thank you for joining us today and being with us. Uh, God bless you and what you do. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, everybody listening, it's also my pleasure to be with you this afternoon, and I get to be with you again Uh, tomorrow afternoon right here on Southern California Live, and it is an honor and a pleasure to be with you on your drive home, your late afternoon, your coffee break, your time at home, uh, whatever it is that you might be doing. I hope that God blesses you tremendously. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll see you again tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.